0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we discuss another final another fine Monday morning to be a Red supporter. They are up to seventh in the Championship, one thing outside the playoffs, but with games on hand on all, in, in hand on all the teams above them after a 4-1 win against Blackhall at the weekend. And to discuss that and look ahead to game it's Coventry, we're joined first of all by BBC Radio Nottingham's main football presenter, David Jackson. Hello, David, are you well?
1: I'm very well now, thank you. Yes, after a couple of weeks of not being well, but I'm very well now. And uh, greatly cheered by uh, being able to watch that performance at the weekend, which um, I think was enough to put a smile on anybody's face.
0: Yes, we're glad to have you back after a bout of uh, Covid, if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know, football managers don't say what's wrong with people if they've got Covid. Does the BBC do that? I don't know
1: well I mean I'm not bothered I mean it's you know it's nothing to be ashamed of I think half the population has got it but you're right football managers don't do they quite often you sort of they just say oh it's a bout of illness that's just going through the camp and you think well I, I wonder what illness that could be it's a, yes. a mystery um, and uh, and then the players are missing at the weekend but we're not allowed to sort of question maybe what it is but hey you know that's their prerogative I guess isn't it? and uh, probably GDPR's got something to do with it but um I can exclusively tell you yes I had COVID there we go if anyone really Really, is
0: that interested? <laughs> well, uh, yes, good to have you back off the bench. And our second guest today has his own experiences of COVID. Are we that say, Mikey? That your wife had COVID and you've been nursing sure. her, Mikey Clark? Yeah, yeah,
2: hi, Matt. Um, yeah, she's been quite poorly. I I haven't had it, uh, well, I have had it before, but, but obviously not now. But um, I just look tired because I'm overworked and underpaid. Basically. <laughs> yeah, there, we go. there you well... go. I'm, I'm happy with the forest. Stuff, so <laughs> that's good. That's Jamie. Meal.
0: Well, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, my lighting is terrible because my laptop's updated, so I'll get that fixed for ne- next week. But uh, anyway, let's get into the game. Um, I said when I sat on my pre show notes to you guys, I said, Was it the best performance in the league this season without giving it any consideration myself? And I still haven't. So, David, I'll, I'll pass it back to you and you can tell us where it ranks.
1: Um, it's got to be up there mainly because they actually play so well in the first half, I think, uh, because quite often we've seen. Bits of great performances, haven't we? Um, and, and I was thinking back to games like, I don't know, Reading. And Reading were no opposition. But, you know, they've scored early and then they've been brilliant for the uh, for the entire of the second half and scored three more goals. But for the rest of that first half, weren't as good. You know, maybe the QPR game as well. You know, they've gone behind, the have come back, played brilliantly again in the second half. Um, think of the Derby game. thought They played really well in the Derby game. Um, but then have kind of let it down slightly at the end. Cup-wise, of course, they were outstandingly disciplined and played brilliantly well against Arsenal. Then there was the fantastic all-round performance against Leicester. But in the league, I think this was so impressive, mainly because it was away from home against a team who have had some decent results against good teams in the league as well, by the way, this season, Blackpool. Um, and we made them look very, very ordinary. Forest made them look really, really ordinary. Um, and and of course, they scored Three goals in the first half, could also have had a penalty, um, scored another one in the second half, but again, could have had more. Uh, great substitutions again from Steve Cooper, which just gave it that extra bit of life just maybe when you needed it. So I think all round that has to be up there as, uh, as one of the, the better performances this season. And it was so pleasing to see. And I, and I was hoping to see them start brightly and do well in the first half because you just thought, Having lost to Liverpool just before the international break, I was talking to Colin Frey about it and we said, we can just imagine them coming back and setting off like a train now. you know, it, Losing to Liverpool may end up being the best thing that could could have happened to them. They've now got this run in, they've got 10 games, and you thought, this Forest team under Steve Cooper, the sort of team that would just get going straight away, set off well in this game and just really make a statement of intent. And they did it. And, and they lived up to every every expectation. And they not only scored four goals, they scored four really good goals, really well-worked goals. Even the goal you could argue they were given with Brent Johnson. He's done really well then to take the last defender on and a clever little chip to score. So they've scored great goals. They've looked solid at the back. You've had the bonus of uh, McKenna coming in and playing really well. So... Uh, I, it has to be up there as, as one of the, the better league performances this season. Whether it is the best, I guess, is, is you know could remain open to debate. But it's it's, it's got to be up there for, for all those reasons. And it was just it was just so much fun to watch. And so the, the, a friend of mine I was watching it with just said, "I felt relaxed all the way through. I never once felt worried." And you know, as a Forest fan, that's quite unusual, isn't it? But he, he just said, I, I, "I never once felt concerned that anything was going to go wrong." And that, that says everything about the way they're playing at the moment, but particularly the way that they played in that game.
0: It's interesting, Mikey, in the comments, there's a couple of people, Glenn and Gary, saying that Forrest didn't, didn't play within themselves, but there was more to come. I can kind of see what they're saying in an attacking sense, but just without the ball as well, Forrest were right up there with anyone in the league, I, I thought. What, what did you make of it overall?
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Matt. I agree with what David's saying as well. I think we, um, we controlled the game. I think that's probably a good a good phrase to use. Control the game. We're very clinical as well. Um, in terms of the level of performance, the Huddersfield game where we lost at home 1-0 and absolutely battered them. Um, that was up there, but we lost the game. I know which one I prefer, to be honest with you. Um, no, I, I just thought on Saturday we we were we were excellent. We started really, really quickly, as David said. Um what made me laugh is you know, Blackpool have had two weeks to figure out how to stop our right hand side. And then in the first half an hour, we scored three goals all coming down that side. Um, which which made me laugh a little bit. But um yeah, I think it was a it was a really good performance. And I did like the way they managed the game. Um, you guys were saying around uh somebody somebody being nervous watching for us. And I, I often find myself looking at the clock thinking you know, if we can get to 60 minutes or if we can get to 65 and then we can maybe bring Cafu on. And that's that's not a phrase I say very often. You know, <laughs> some, something like that, you know, in order to manage the game. But honestly, on Saturday, I totally agree. I wasn't nervous in the slightest, even when they were launching balls into the box. And that that, that Josh Bowler is a very, very good player. Um, I just thought I just thought we had another gear. I thought we had it under control. Um the fourth goal was absolutely lovely. It was almost like we, we clicked up a gear and then we sort of sat off again. And it was just a very controlled clinical performance. And I guess what I would say as well is if you look at the stats, if you didn't watch that game and you looked at the stats and you didn't know the score, you'd probably say, oh, there might be a goal in it either way because it's pretty close. I think they had 10% more possession shots, pretty even. And that just shows you how clinical we were um, and how we, we sort of, like I said, controlled the game. And if you watch, you know, I watched a bit of Premier League football yesterday, nothing happens for half an hour, and then you get one or two chances and they stick them away. And it, it felt a bit like that on Saturday. So, yes, we set off like a train, but I always felt if we got a chance, we'd score. And that that bodes really well, actually. So, like I said, I'd rather have seven or eight shots and score four goals than have 30 shots against Huddersfield and don't score.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I was, I
2: was really pleased with what I saw on Saturday. I'm sure everybody
0: was. I suppose there's two players to talk about before we get into the game itself who made a, a big difference coming back. I mean, McKenna ahead of schedule, David, uh, that felt kind of essential to me. I think they need those three centre-backs, whether it's Figueredo, Warrell, McKenna, and then Cook, a, a combination of those three. To go up, I think they probably needed them back sooner rather than later. So, having, I, mean, I mean, McKenna was tremendous again, wasn't he, David?
1: Yeah, uh, we're getting used to players coming back slightly earlier than scheduled. That's not me, very foresting either, is it?
0: <laughs> Normally they say, "Oh, he's going to be back in two weeks," and then they don't play again for the club. Yeah.
1: yeah, we, you know, we've had that. We've had that a couple of times with Steve Cooper, haven't we? Players are going to be out for six weeks and then appear maybe three or four weeks later, um, and it, it just feels like. So it's quite a good way of doing it really because then when they do come back suddenly it feels like such a bonus nobody's really talked about the possibility of McKenna being back in the in the build-up to it and then suddenly the team news comes out and you think oh okay because um Colin Freya was at the game so he messaged me before and like, I've just seen McKenna here and you thought oh this is this is great news you know just after the international break um and the, the manager's been talking about the possibility of Lewis Grabban being back and saying he's been back in training that week but said that Blackpool might be too soon. And you thought, well, that probably means he'll be on the bench, doesn't it? Um, And then you've got suddenly McKenna thrown back in as well. But yeah, I thought McKenna, you're right. I I way prefer that back three for so many reasons. Um, One, I just think it's an intimidating prospect for anyone coming up against those three, especially when Cook's in there as well. Worrell's playing tremendously well at the moment, isn't he? Um, And McKenna's just brilliant in the back. And, And Steve Cook was so consistent. Figueredo in a three, I much prefer to uh, to Figueredo in a two, um, and and then of course the the added advantage of that is it, it allows Jed Spence to go forward so much more, because you know when he's in a back four, um, and we saw it against Liverpool where certainly for the first half he was reluctant to get too far forward, and and you can see why he's got to hold the line, he's got to he's got to hold that position, but when you've got a back three. He's got so much freedom to get forwards and it it just makes Forrest so much a better attacking threat. Um, So I I like it for all those reasons. And I thought McKenna, was tremendous. And the way, I mean, you know, possibly should have given away a penalty in the second half. And the more I watched that at first, I didn't think it was. And the more I watched it, I thought, actually, yeah, yeah, fair enough, it was. Uh, But his reading of the game to intercept the ball and to lay the pass then for Surridge. Surridge was outstanding, by the way, just to take a, a slight step to the right, just to give himself that extra yard. But McKenna to lay a perfect 30-yard pass on the floor um, into him for that, for that fourth goal, just shows how much he's developed as a player. Not only is he a rock at the back, but he brings a lot into the attack as well. We've seen him do that a bit. I remember I think it was, was it Birmingham away, I think, when he, he went skipping down the left wing and laid a pass in and it ended up leading to Jed Spencer's goal. So we're seeing him do that more and more. And it's something Cooper wants from him. But you see the advantage of, of of having him in the team at, at that point because he's ready. He's had the confidence to take that step past the defender, bring it out. And there was a couple of players he could have passed to short passes, and he thought, no, no, I'm going for the I'm going for the jugular, straight for that pass inside right. And he sees his big cheer on the halfway line when Surrey just scored. And yeah, I, I thought he was brilliant—a big, strong, solid defender. But you know, just don't forget the the attacking threat that he poses as well because that that pass was absolutely outstanding.
0: It's a good point about figs as well, isn't it, Mikey? I mean, I still think he's got a mistake in him, and he probably will. You know, he probably will give away a goal before the end of the season. But he's come back and been tremendous. And like David says, the the, the license they have to attack with that three, I, I'm much more. I mean, you talk about nerves. I'm much more comfortable watching them in a three than I am in a four. What about you? Yeah.
2: Totally agree. To be honest with you, I I much prefer three at the back with the squad that we have. I, I was I was never really a fan of it, probably up until we started playing it. If I'm if I'm being honest, I mean, looking at other teams, the way they play it, never really appealed to me. But I think you know you you play the system that suits your players. And I think with the three or four centre backs we've got, or maybe even five if you include Embiçer, maybe six Panzo, I suppose. Um, you've got a real solid centre back base. Uh, you know, and if there's a better loney in the championship than Jed Spence, I've, I've yet to see it. So, if you can set up a system that gets the best out of him, it's pretty much a no-brainer for me. I, I think going back to Fix, um, I did like it when he bashed the ground at the end. A bit of angry Fix coming back there from Olds. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, it, it does have a bit of a mistake in him, but I guess when I guess I guess they all do. But I guess when you're with you know Worrell and, and Cork or as you say McKenna. Um, it it gives me and I'm sure a lot of fans a bit more um, uh, a view of security that those three are always sort of behind the ball and it does allow them to step out if you remember England back in the World Cup when Southgate started playing that three at the back, he encouraged Maguire and Stones and everybody just to step out I I think probably because he he thought that we didn't necessarily have the control in the midfield so um, I can see I love to see that and I love to see central defenders stepping into that midfield zone and, and drawing the attackers onto them as well to, re- to release that space. So it's very easy. You know, a back three can become a back five very, very easily when you're under the cosh. But I haven't really seen that from Forrest in the last couple of weeks. And hopefully, you know, I won't see much of it for the next sort of one or two months, depending on whether we're getting the playoffs or not. So I think it's the right system for us. I think it gets the best out of our players. Um those three centre backs at the back, I mean, they're tough, aren't they? You you, you wouldn't want to go against them. Three massive, strong as oxs centre backs. You know, it, it does really, really bode well. And like I say, it gets the best out of the supporting players around them. So, you know, long may it continue. Let's let's keep playing that. Let's hope we don't get buller in the playoffs, by the way. But you know, that's a different conversation. <laughs>
1: Yes, absolutely right. Borough yeah. without Spence in the team, that's the, that's the big problem, isn't it? Whether you play them in the semis or the final, that's, a, that's an issue, I agree with you. It is, that's, that's the it. Well, they might all. miss out. I mean,
0: that's a conversation mm. for later, but Borough might miss out. It's going to be an interesting thing. Um, do you think the goalkeeper situation is not settled, but do you suspect now, David, that I, I've always felt Samba's the number one, really? Do you think he's going to play the rest of the that, season?
1: I always thought he might want to bring Brees Samba back at some point and I wasn't quite sure how he was going to do it because I I, I think you know Horvath did everything he could have done I thought at first um thinking back to the 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 Preston away game as well where he just looked a little nervy on the ball um he was making some good saves still and he made a couple of really important saves in that game but in terms of the role that you have to play these days as a goalkeeper in that Forest team where you required almost to be a, a sweeper keeper and you know bring the ball out and, and be that extra um, defender sometimes. He, he looked a little uneasy with that at times at first. I thought he got a bit more used to it as it went on. And I think maybe leaving Bree Samba out then, even after his suspension was was over, sort of sent a little bit of a message. It sent a message to Ethan Horvath to give him the confidence that you've done a good job and you deserve to keep your place in the team. It maybe sent a message to Brees Samba as well to say, look, once you get back in, you are going to have to uh, not only continue to play well, but you need to cut out the silliness, which has obviously led to his suspension. And and I think then after the international break and Horvath's obviously been away, um, it almost it's just given maybe Steve Cooper a chance to say, OK, here's your place back, keep it. Um, and and Brees Samba, when he's at his best, is the, the best keeper in the division, probably. Um, you know, it, in terms of his character and everything as well, he not only brings... Brilliant shot stopping, brilliant control of his area when he just plucks the ball out of the air one-handed. Love all of that. Love the showmanship. Um, Love all of the... I better not use the word that I would normally use, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, You know what I'm talking about. The wind-up merchant side to him, shall we say. Um, And I, I think everybody loves all that side to him as well. But it was just boiling over at times. And he has to be really careful of that. You've got to know where the line is. And if he knows where the line is, and he you can get the best out of him, then he's an outstanding keeper to have. So I think if you can play him and you can have him at his best, I think you'd you'd want him as as your number one. And I think it it does. I think if if all that was to play game after game after game, you'd probably see that confidence grow in the defenders as well. But at the moment, I feel like there's extra confidence from the defenders when when Samba's playing. There's something about having him behind them when he's playing well that they just seem to have this extra layer of confidence in just being able to knock the ball back to him and knowing that he's going to he's going to be relaxed about bringing the ball under control and, and laying a pass. Just because Horvath probably hasn't done that much before, that's what that, that, that's all it is, it's just that Samba's done it a lot and it's very natural to him. I feel Horvath could get to that stage, but it, it would take a number of games for him to do that because it's probably not what he's done before. So yeah, I, I always kind of felt maybe he'd, he'd come back in and it's not a massive surprise that he's back now for the running.
0: Um Briefly on that one, Mikey, the clock's running along today. We've got a lot to get through. Do you, Probably briefly. my fault,
1: sorry. <laughs> no, I've, I've been no, stuck no. in the house for so long. Any opportunity to talk and I'm taking it.
0: What are you saying, Mikey? Samba or Horvath for the rest of the season?
2: Samba, big fan of Samba. I think he's the best keeper in the, in the league, if I'm being honest with you. I think all keepers are supposed to be a bit mad, aren't they? So, you know, if you think think back in the day, grubble are keepers like that. So, um He's the best keeper I've seen down the city ground, probably since since Crosley, I would have thought. So I've yet to see a better one than him, and I know he's got that in him. But hopefully, as you know, as David said, bit, bit of a bit of time out of the team. He gets to reset a little bit. He comes back in for the last nine or ten games, proves how good he is. Um, just one more thing on Samba, Matt. You're absolutely right about defensive um security with him in. So you know when he rolls his foot on top of the ball. You can almost see the centre back sort of relax and spread out, not necessarily the way with some of our other keepers who just maybe just hoof it. Um, he's got that distribution; it's it's brilliant. It's Premier League distribution, and I think everybody knows that. So when he's got the ball at his feet, you can basically you can see them them relax in the body language, um, and he's a cracking keeper as well.
0: So I'd always play Samba. Um, the next thing I want to talk about. I mean, we've hammered refs on this podcast this season. <laughs> not in previous seasons, but I feel like this season it feels like it's been awful. It was a fascinating performance from the ref on Saturday, I thought. I mean, not it wasn't quite like Kenny Burns couldn't have played in the game in his prime, but he let plenty go. Um, I think both sides should have had a penalty, really. He missed yeah. both of those, but at least he was consistent. I mean, I quite liked it. What did you make of it, David? Jared yeah, Gillette was. I, 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 liked,
1: I liked it as well. I agree. I mean, he, he did miss... He did miss the two penalties. I, I agree with you. And, you know, it was clearly um, a foul on Zinconogl, although weirdly nobody claimed it. No, um, you know, Zinconogl just sort of put his hand up very slightly on his way, which made me think, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't. And then you watch the replay and think, yeah, OK, it was. And I think maybe maybe McKenna had thought by later on, actually, you can do what you like in this game. So maybe it's OK. And he was right. He judged it right. It's um, just to maybe give him a little bit too much credit for that one. But I, I, I just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I quite liked it. Like you say, it was consistent. It, it helped the game flow. It meant it wasn't all stop-start constantly. Um, the thing I find with refs a lot this season is it, it, the advantage rule seems to baffle them. You know, I think quite often you just sort of think, "Well, just play advantage here," and and they don't, and then and then the next time they go, "Oh, I remember the advantage rule," and then they they sort of play an advantage, and they and you, well, that's not an advantage now, is it? You know, and, and it's quite a, a simple thing I'd have thought, but you quite often see that go wrong. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. The weekend, like you say, it was a bit of a throwback to if you ever watched um, the Big Match revisited on ITV Four, and you you see these awful challenges go in, um, and the commentators saying, "Oh, it's been a bit bit harsh for a booking," and you think, you know, he'd be sent off in a ten game ban these days. Um, so it, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the the openness of it, and it actually both teams just seemed to embrace it and say, "Well, fair enough. If that's the way we're playing, let's just go for it, and let's just let's just get on with it." And it it made it a very entertaining game. Liked it.
0: And it was never the case, Mikey, that tackles are flying in with leg breakers or anything. It was just a good competitive game, I thought, wasn't it?
2: It was, and it was like it was like the old fern game yesterday, if anybody watched that. It was just sort of back and forth and the ref letting it go. What what was what made me laugh is after about 10 minutes, I, I said to my wife, I wonder what you have to do to get a free kick in this game. <laughs> like because it was it was one of them. And then um I'm sure I can say this, Matt, on, on our WhatsApp group you put uh, is this game being played in 1972? I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? I'd rather watch a game like that, which is allowed to flow, than something, than a, than a, a, a referee who's sort of whistle happy and stops it for every little bit of contact. Um, people watching and listen to this might think a bit of a downer on Premier League football, but I don't really. But when you watch that, it's it's, it's like netball. It's like a non-contact sport. As soon as you brush against an individual that goes down it's it's an automatic free kick. This was literally the other end of the scale and I know which one I'd, I'd rather watch. And it really helped with the flow of the game. Certainly in that first half, you've got two teams that haven't played for two weeks bundles of energy, they're all fired up don't keep stopping it after every 30 seconds, let it flow. And I thought the game was was all the better for that. And it's no surprise to me that you saw shots on target you saw numerous goals, you saw you know goal line scrambles. It was... It was a great game and the ref deserves a hell of a lot of credit. I really hope he's reffing some of our future games, to be honest with you, because, you know, the tone was set very early on. And I think the Sky commentator said, well, let's just hope he's consistent. And, and to be fair, he was. <laughs> so, you know. The players would have known that after five or ten minutes. Um, and I'm not surprised he didn't give any of those penalties. God knows what you would have had to have done to get a penalty in that game. <laughs> Who knows? Um But like I said, you know, I really enjoy it. And I'm sure most people that watched it uh, would rather see that than, you know, some of the stuff we served up in the top league, to be honest.
0: Mm, true, true. Um So, Forest went into the break 3 nil up. Having scored three very good goals in, in different ways. Brennan Johnson, David. I mean, the quality of play and finishing is outstanding. I mean, I, I think it's fair to assume that if Forest don't go up, he's going to the Premier League. You'd, you'd be naive not to think that. I suppose the question now is, what level of Premier League club would he be? Would he be going to? How, how good is he? Do you think now?
1: Um, well, I mean, he's he's as good a player as as I remember seeing in re, in recent years, largely for for his consistency as well. And also, he's making a lot of very sensible decisions now. I liked the the quick pass into Zinchenko for the first goal. He just he, he saw a pass, and and lay and just laid it in straight away from the right wing. Perfect straight into feet. I thought that was really lovely. Um, you know, didn't dwell on the ball, didn't try and do anything too fancy. Um, he just he saw a pass, and actually he had to get that pass absolutely right to get in between two defenders straight into the feet of Zinchenko in a pretty crowded area, but did it perfectly to set up that. And, yeah, his two goals were really, really good finishes. So, yeah, I, I think he's very good. It surprised me a little bit that all the talk seemed to be about Brentford signing him at the time. So I thought, well, I think, he, you know, it he, he, he could be a slightly um, more established Premier League club than that, really. Um, but the, the, the question is, if he goes to a, a, a bigger Premier League club, how much football is he is he going to play? Um, and, and that's that's then the decision for uh for him and it and his family and his his agent to make, I suppose. If he did go to Brentford he'd be playing regularly, uh in the Premier League. If he went to a, a Spurs, say, then is he, you know, gonna have to sort of bide his time and wait. And is that is that the most sensible move? Um ideally, obviously, Forrest would get promoted, he'd play regularly in the Premier League next season, um and and then we'll see where his career takes him from there. But I <clears throat> I don't know <laughs> it's tough. I think that's that's the question for me. It's just how much football does he want to play? If he's, if he's going to go to a, a Chelsea, then he, he's not going to be playing every week, is he? I mean, barely any player gets to play every week at Chelsea. So does he want that or does he want to sort of be at the moment when he's playing so well and he's so young? Does he, does he really need to be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond um, and go and play regularly and, and build up to the level that he can be? rather than sort of settling for a bit-part player at a, at a bigger club. I think a lot of bigger clubs would probably s- consider now taking him, certainly if he had a year in the Premier League and proved he can do it there as well. Uh, but it, it's how much he'd play. So I, I think it's, it comes down to his choice in the end, really, as to, as to how much he wants to play.
0: Mm, mm. I mean, hopefully Forrest go up and negates the conversation, although you wouldn't even rule that out now he's playing that well if the money's on the table. Um which goal was best, Mikey? Of the well, if I say four for the latter three. Which one do you think would you vote for?
2: Oh, that's really tough, and I keep changing my mind. Um, I would probably go for Johnson's first goal, um, although I can understand why people wouldn't and go for the others because they all have defining qualities about them. I think what I liked about Johnson's first strike was he didn't even think about it; it was almost came natural to him, and the sweetness that he hit the ball. You saw the ball hit the side of the net and keep spinning. He obviously sort of put some, I think it's some top spin or whatever on it, absolutely smashed it past the keeper. That is a Premier League finish, if ever I saw one. And then obviously he does the same again with a, with a little link. He's a, he's a serious footballer and, and he will be. And he will go right to the top level, I think. Johnson, I think he's that good. Um, but in terms of the goals, it's like what you said at the start, Matt, for outstanding goals in their own way. You know, the first one, I had a bit of luck about it, but the, the sweet passing to create that chance was was really nice. But the other three, wow, brilliant stuff. You know, other teams watching that must be a bit scared of that and thinking, you know, we don't want Forrest in the playoffs if they get in there because they're capable of that away from home. They're capable of ripping up a team that had a brilliant home record, Blackpool, and we made them look ordinary in the first Half an hour, uh, certainly. Um one of the comments on here, I, I always like reading the comments when we're when we're doing this live. It was from Karen who put, uh, I don't know what the Blackpool manager was watching, thinking they, you know, deserve something. I can kind of only assume that he thought it was still April Fool's Day from from the day before because it was such a bizarre comment. <laughs> but there you go. Know, but that's that's kind of you know he probably has to say that for for his own fans to try and keep some positivity. But I thought, you know, in general, all four goals had their own, you know, brilliant qualities about them. But that strike from Brennan for the first one, my word, you know, if he hits balls like that, he's going to score a hell of a lot of goals for the remaining um, 10 games of the season. Brilliant stuff. Can't speak highly enough of it, Matt.
0: Mm. I really like the fourth goal for Surridge because you want strikers to do that, finish like that and come off the bench. I mean, if I had to pick, I'd say... Johnson's first goal for the passing quality of the team, move. But it's a great discussion to have, isn't it, David? I mean, you were discussing your post-match Facebook lives with you know Steve Hodge or whoever discussing an absolutely boring nil-nil against whoever pre-pre Steve Cooper is. We'd much rather be but talking about this. They were hard work. They
1: were yes. hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be honest. Let's talk for half an hour about a nil-nil draw, and you go, oh, you know you know, when, when they almost maybe created one chance at some point, And now suddenly we're deciding which of the four goals away from home was was the best. And I have to say as well, by the way, they've scored four goals away from home on a day when Blackpool kept Keenan Davis quiet, you know, because Keenan Davis, nothing really stuck at Keenan Davis. It's the first time really I've seen this happen with him. because I think it's been absolutely outstanding and a pleasure to watch. But this time it just didn't quite stick with him. And I thought they marshaled him really well. And so you've got, Forest one centre-forward, largely kept quiet during the game, and they've still scored four, which just th- shows what a threat Forest are. They've got so many different threats that even if they can keep one quiet, you, you, it's like spinning plates. You know, <laughs> They've managed to do one job, and they've done it pretty well with Keenan, and then they've not been able to stop anybody else. I have to say, the, uh, the one that I keep watching over, the goal from the weekend that I keep watching over, would be the fourth, just because I, I really love Surridge's movement. I'm really liking watching Sam Surridge at the moment. The last few weeks, by the way, he's averaging a goal every 45 minutes um, in terms of the amount of minutes he's actually playing, which just shows how well he's playing at the minute. And I saw a, a guy from Radio Stoke, who I know um, the other week, and he, he he cannot believe what he's seeing when he's seeing Forrest play. He's like like, how, how has this happened? But this is what Steve Cooper does, isn't it? He, he manages to get more out of players than maybe they've been able to... Uh, to do at other clubs because he knows what their strengths are, he knows how to use them. And seeing him come off the bench, you could see him and Lewis Crabbin coming off the bench. And I just, at that point I felt sorry for Blackpool because I just thought, you know, Forrest have already scored three and now you're bringing on a striker who's been scoring goals lately and is hungry for goals with Sam Surridge. And Lewis Graben, who always scores goals at this level and is he's, he's clearly desperate to get back in the goals as well. You could see that when he came on, when at one point he maybe should have passed, but but went for goal instead, you know, because uh, they, they, Sense there were more goals in it but that fourth goal just seeing Surridge who was not expecting the ball to come back at at him but he he just took a step just to give himself an extra yard the brilliant interception from McKenna the drive the fact that at 3-0 up at that point but they're so determined to still get a fourth the quality of the pass from McKenna the first touch from Surridge is absolutely outstanding exactly where he'd want to take it still keeping the defender at bay and then to smash it right into the bottom corner—it's a beautiful, beautiful. But I know that sometimes great goals when it's like the, the fourth that a team scores that you, you can just say, "Oh yeah, well you know the game's over by then or whatever." But I don't care. I think it was a, a really beautiful, beautiful goal, um, and and the fact that it, it it just showed the drive of the team to keep pushing and keep scoring more goals, and that it was it was Surrey's just off the bench. The quality of that touch, the quality of the pass—it was it was just lovely. I'll
0: tell you a reminder, I'm going way back here. Do you remember when Arsenal under Wenger battered Everton 4-1 and Tony Adams scored and he brought the ball out and he uh, he finished? But to see McKenna bringing the ball out and playing that confidence and Slurridge finishing like Ian Wright, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, but to see a Forest team playing that vibrantly is fantastic. And then you see, like you said, David, you've got grabbing coming off the bench surridge lolly i mean the depth of the squad now mikey must give you you know further confidence that Forrest is going to be in this till the end of the season
2: yeah it does plenty of options there i think just quickly going back to what you guys were saying around attacking intent um i noticed there was a free kick near the end of the game war was taking it and he stopped and he shouted five and i thought what what's he saying and i looked and there were five players in a line up front, and we were we were three or four goals up at that time. So, remember Cooper when he took over talked about not just attacking with two or three players having five, and it, it shows that intent that even when the game's won, we're still getting players for you know uh, in four positions. I think you know under a previous manager, should I say, you'd be lucky to even have a centre forward showing for the ball from a free kick. To be honest with you, so that is really refreshing, and that goes goes on top of what you guys were saying, but. I think in terms of options, Matt, from the bench, um, you think of the players that didn't get a sniff, so Miton, Silver, players like that. Um, there's some serious options there now, and people are coming back to fitness at a key time in the season. So, you, you know, you're not going to play these next nine games plus a potential three more with the same eleven, twelve, thirteen players. It just it just won't happen because you know we've got. A bit of a fixture pile-up. We've got the Bournemouth and Ful- uh, Bournemouth and Fulham fixtures. Sorry, to, to squeeze in there as well. You're going to have to rely on this squad, and it's such—it's so refreshing to see them coming on, making an impact. Um, the, you know the options that Cooper has are really quite frightening for this level now, especially when they're performing at the level that they are performing. So you know we've got you know Coventry and Birmingham, a couple of home games in the next few days. If he brings in a, a Surridge, as David was saying, or, or Joe Lawley or uh, Alex Martin or Silver, you wouldn't worry about it because they're all chomping at the bit. And, you know, if things don't work for the first hour, he can then bring on a uh, Lewis Graben or bring Keenan Davis back on or whatever. So there's some serious options there. You know, I remember Forest teams in the past, I'm sure everybody does, where there was literally nothing. If the first 11, and they were shoddy sometimes, the first 11 didn't do it, There's barely anything from the bench. Now it's completely different. So that will give fans a lot of heart for the remaining, you know, sort of nine games of the season, plus playoffs, hopefully, um, that we can, we will find ways to win games. You know, if if the starting 11 isn't working, we can tweak it and we have those options. And that that is really, like I said, quite frightening for the opposition, I would have thought.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, would you... I wouldn't be surprised to see Davis on the bench on Wednesday. David would yeah, maybe grabbing come straight back in, or Surridge, just to refresh it a little bit with a home game against Coventry, and then a home game against Birmingham to come. Do you think?
1: I mean, he might do, um, and absolutely, I agree with Mikey. You wouldn't worry if he did. Um, he, he, he may well do that. I wonder about, you know, whether he might start to use grabbing in the number ten as well. You know, with he's, you know, he's had Zinchenko and when he's left Zinchenko out at times before. And Pushed Garner up there, but now he's suddenly got all these other different options. Um, uh, I think he'll probably be a bit more cautious with grabbing, but yeah, he, he could put Surridge up there. And I think Surridge did fully deserve it. He's when he started last time out. Um, I mean, he had one goal ruled out early on, didn't he, against against Huddersfield, and then got one that, that was allowed, which was a really nice finish. And, uh, and I, I really like him, I really like him as a player. And yeah, with two home games, he may well decide to do that. That said, you don't know, because Keenan's had a, a frustrating game at the weekend. You don't know whether you sort of want to put him in again next time and say, right, you know, go on then. Have another one of those games where you make a massive impact on it and a massive influence. You could almost see him after the having a, a frustrated day at the weekend. You could almost see him going out and scoring on on Wednesday night. So it, it, that, that's one only, only he knows that he can he can manage. But like Mikey, I, I wouldn't worry whoever he decides to play up front. If he, if he goes for Keenan... Then you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a big, strong, powerful, hard-working performance, um, and possibly a goal if you play Surridge. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't bet against him scoring either. I, I just think they've, they've got so many options at the moment, and they look such a threat in so many different areas of the field. And it's extraordinary that we're saying this in the same season <laughs> as, as a season in which you know they picked up one point from the first seven games when they just didn't. They looked like they'd entirely forgotten how to score. Um, and yet here we are, just saying it doesn't matter who they play, they'll score regardless. Uh, but that's that's kind of how you feel, and and that's that's what Steve Cooper's now got to manage to sort of keep all those players hungry, give them I guess enough of a game every now and again to sort of keep them in there, give them that opportunity to show that they deserve a place, um, and and just keep that interest around the squad without them getting too frustrated that that they're not playing regularly. And uh, and and if we can do that, then you know uh, over the next few weeks they'll they'll all be continuing to contribute.
0: Um, just briefly, a couple of things. Uh, who's Gavin, Mikey? You put in the private chat comments between us. Who, thanks, Gavin. Is that a work <laughs> message? You've errantly
2: no. Put in here? Me
0: and technology are awful,
2: so I'm looking at the the, the comments uh, on our live stream and Gavin's put well said, Mikey. So I just thought I'd be kind and say cheers, mate. <laughs> I can't be on this
0: stream. <laughs> Thanks, Gavin, who's watching. I can (laughs) read that. Just briefly on strikers, because I'm conscious of the time, and Mikey, you've got to leave at a certain point to go to Leeds. Lyle Taylor scored again for Birmingham, four goals and an assist in nine games. Is he doing anything more than just making it more likely that he leaves Forest because he's becoming more attractive to other clubs, do you think, Mikey? Or is there a route back for him?
2: Uh, um, I don't think so. I think. He obviously gets on very, very well with with Lee Bowyer. His previous relationship at Charlton, there suggested that um, it's got a lot of goals for them. Um, I think Birmingham were in for him the sort of before they actually got him. So, um, and he's obviously enjoying it there. And do you know what? You know when David was talking about the Stoke correspondent, can't believe how Surridge is kind of in here. It's probably a bit similar to uh, to Taylor. You know, he's. He's probably not suited to the way Steve Cooper plays. I think that's kind of obvious. Hasn't really hit the ground running with Forrest. Um, goes to Birmingham. They're a little bit more direct. He has a great relationship with their manager, and he's scoring goals for them. And the fans have really taken to him. If you if you read you know some of the comments and um, uh, and so forth. So I think it's probably good for all parties. You know, if he keeps scoring for those guys, there's, there's a route there if if they want to sort of take him on. I can't, I can't see him back at Forest, regardless of what division we're in, um, guys. If I'm honest with you, I don't know whether you, you guys agree. I think, I think this is a, a solution that suits everybody.
1: Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, 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 I think I agree with you, Mark. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, you know, uh, I like him. You can see that he, he works hard when he's out there playing, um, and I'm, I'm pleased for him that it's going well where it is at Birmingham, and that's, that's great. You know, good luck to him because I think sometimes, it just takes a move. Um, sometimes there's just a certain manager, a certain style, a certain club where things fit and you, you play well, you liked, and it, it goes well. Um, you know, he's it, probably, when he looks back on it, he'll probably consider it as quite unlucky that he was at Forest at a time when they weren't creating many chances. He wasn't playing that much football. I thought when he scored the goal against Coventry on that the opening day with that lovely cross from from Brennan Johnson, and I thought maybe, maybe we'll start to see a bit more from Lyle Taylor because it, it was no good playing him where... Uh, like he was so often at Forest, where he's got his back to goal, trying to hold it up, it just never worked. It just, it just didn't suit him at all. And I felt really sorry for him in that situation. And I felt that if, if we'd played a bit more to Lyle Taylor's strengths, we might have got more out of him. Um, but I think at the moment he, he's not going to get in ahead of the strikers Forest have got. And if he's somewhere else where it's going well, then I, I think fair enough you 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 let him go. And it's not necessarily a slight on him. You just say fair enough, you know, like you said, he's, he knows the manager well from his Charlton days. Good luck to him. And uh, you know, and you, you move on. And Forrest have got now a couple of younger strikers as well, you know, hungry to make their name in the game and uh, and we, we just go from there, really.
0: Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't wanna wouldn't want to block the pathway of a of a Larson or a Swan if they're deemed good enough personally. Um Penultimate topic, people in the chat, this wasn't on our show notes that I sent out, but people on the chat are talking about whether Forrest can finish second. So they're 11 points behind Bournemouth with nine games to go. Bournemouth matches are quite brutal, actually. They've got West Brom away, Sheffield United away, Middlesbrough at home, Coventry away, Fulham at home, Swansea away, and then they've got Blackburn away, Forest and Millwall, I mean, they're all teams in the top half, apart from Swansea, I think. Do you think it's come a bit too late, David, or can we even dream of
1: seconds? Uh, I mean, uh, I know you said they're quite brutal, but I think if you're Bournemouth, I don't think you're worried about going to West Brom, are you? No, and Forest would have to win every
0: single game, I think, to do it. But people are discussing it, I just can't see it, personally. I think if there was another five games, then maybe, but...
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's too late for that. There was a few games ago, Steve Hodge was talking about second uh, a couple of months ago, and but it would have taken... Because I think Bournemouth was having a bit of a stumble at that point. Um, but then Forrest, I think, drew a couple and Bournemouth wouldn't. And he thought, no, nah, it's, it's, it's gone now. I think it's I think it's too late for that, really, from Forrest's point of view. Um, I know they've got... I mean, the other thing is they've got games in hand on teams above them, but they haven't got games in hand on them. You know, the, it's, it's too late for that. But also... I'd, I don't think you should almost be aiming for that because that that as soon as you start thinking about that, then playoffs starts to feel like a secondary thing. And actually, playoffs is an unbelievable achievement to be where Forest were earlier in the season, and to even have a chance now of of getting into the playoffs is is absolutely unbelievable. The advantage Forest have got at the moment um, on those other teams going for playoffs is goal difference because their their goal difference now is fantastic. So we'll whether that means it'll just see them creep into the playoffs or whether it'll see them get you know home advantage in the second leg that kind of thing um so i I think i think that's brilliant Uh, i think the prop the the problem forest might have um is that some of their fixtures you know fulham away bournemouth away um in tough midweeks and i know people are saying but they might be promoted by then like yeah maybe but you know Still a nicely relaxed Fulham at home on a on a Tuesday night when they're already promoted and playing against Forest. That those games can go wrong. I also don't think you want to be going away from home on the last day of the season needing something, even though that is to hull where you'd expect to win. You don't want to be going there. So the number of points that Forest need, I think they sort of need to be getting quite quickly. Uh, because that last couple of the week couple of weeks looks a little bit a little bit tricky. So I, I think that's why I'm so pleased they started so well at the weekend. I think you're wanting to get six points out of this week. Um, let's see what happens at Luton. I think you'd need to then sort of be beating West Brom. Um, I think they need to get those points in as early as possible. I don't really want to see Forrest going into the last couple of weeks needing, I don't know, seven, eight points from the last three or four games. I think that, that you don't want that. <laughs> That's the last thing we need.
0: Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to get carried away. I mean, to get in the playoffs, like you say, would be an unbelievable achievement. And, and Mikey Forrest have won an inordinate amount of games recently and climbed about three places. It's so hard to... I mean, you know, it's not impossible. Bournemouth could lose four of their next six games, but I think we, we'd we be getting a bit ahead of ourselves if we start dreaming of second, would we?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can always dream, but I think realistically, you know, as, as, as David said, if, if he would have offered us a playoff place after, you know, seven or eight games will first off laugh and then then bit your hand off so I don't think you can get you know too greedy I seem to remember a Billy Davis team finishing third and I remember feeling a bit down so I think David you've, you've hit a good point there mate because um you don't want to be any negative feeling or anything in terms of like you know we could have got more I think Forrester the form team at the moment we're on a roll I don't want anything to stop that. So if we finish mid of the playoffs, brilliant, you know, bring it on. Um, what we'll what say though, though is Greg, who's sometimes on this podcast, I'm sure has his <laughs> second by a six-point cushion. So yeah. he thinks we'll win every single game against anyone. So um, there are fans out there that still think we can finish second. And you know what? We might be back on here in a month, three points off with three games to play, thinking, oh my word, we could do it. And if we can, brilliant, but let's just be a little bit realistic at the moment and you know aim for those playoffs. and if we get in then it's absolutely wonderful then then got to try and win it there's no point being in it if we're not going to try and win it because you're also not level pegging next season so let's get in there and try and win the thing Mm,
0: true true uh last point just to finish on quickly uh fa (coughs) excuse me fa youth cup tonight at seven o'clock at the city ground if you're listening to this on monday as it comes out against chelsea and their future string of lone players in League Two and the Championship, and League One in coming years—a um, tough game, obviously. But David, it's great to see this kind of production line is, is expanding ever more, isn't it? it? It feels like the club's in a good place at the moment.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why it's—it's it's so good to get to go and see um, the youth teams at Forest because you are genuinely seeing. Um, first team players of the future because Forest have got this proven track record of actually bringing those players through and into the first team. Um, you know, it hasn't always been the case and certainly isn't um, the case uh, at many clubs. Uh, but at Forrest, you know, you, you go and see these players and there's every chance that the players that you see and, and think, OK, he looks good, he looks good, he looks good. There's a chance that in a few years you'll see them in the first team and to get to see those players grow and develop and become first team players and um, is, is a joy, isn't it? Um, and, it, it, you know, then when you get to see them in the first team, if you've been there, seeing them on a game like tonight against Chelsea, you sort of almost take a bit of personal pride in that, you know, that I was there, I saw them when they were just a teenager and I've seen their their game develop. It's one of the, the pleasures of being a football fan, really, of being able to see young players develop and grow into, um, into established first team players. And, you know, it, it looks like, because of, you know, Category 1 status and it's been a big year for those Forest youngsters coming up against better teams uh, regularly and finding, I think it pretty tough first and having to learn quickly what it's like to be able to compete against these players. But Forrest will absolutely benefit from that. And the, those young players will benefit from it. And they'll really benefit tonight from being able to play in front of um, a lot of supporters. Cause that's a big difference. You know, you know, playing when nobody's watching is one thing playing when you've got paying spectators, that that's another, um, so it's a it, big opportunity for them tonight and uh, great for those fans that, that go down to get to see young players and, um, you know, you can pick out the ones that you'll be cheering along in the first team in hopefully not too long.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do read the reports and there are a few names that crop up a few times and I suspect you're right, we will see uh, a few of these lads in the future in the first team, so do... Go down and watch if you can. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week. So thanks, everyone, who's watched along and commented. And if you enjoyed it as ever, do like, subscribe and uh, give us a good review, as it does definitely help us. Mikey, thank you very much. I know you've got a dash. Thank you very much for asking me to come on. Really appreciate it. Nice to uh, chat with you, David.
2: And
1: you, Mikey.
0: Yes, thank you very much, David. Much appreciated as ever Do join us again soon and uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. And we'll be back uh, perhaps on Thursday if I plan something I haven't even thought about. I literally just said that. Otherwise, we'll be back this time next week. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.